All right, it's time for Baldry's Beat. Keith Baldry, Legislative Bureau Chief for Global News. Morning, Keith. Hey there. I know you were listening to my conversation with Zach Spencer there about electric vehicles. Tell Zach, he used to work with us. Yeah, yeah, for sure. He does a great job there on YouTube. He knows his stuff. He really knows knows his cars, that's for sure. Mm -hmm. And on EVs, he's got a really interesting take on it. He's saying, like, why don't you just phase out the rebates, put all the money into infrastructure, like charging infrastructure, so people have somewhere how to... Billy to charge these vehicles. I think he makes a great point. I mean, you know me, I'm, you know, a big skeptic of these targets for EVs because I think that, as I've said before, the supply chain is not controlled by us or North America. It's controlled by China, who own most of the the mines that produce these critical minerals. Um, And they're very expensive cars. They're not, they're not for the common person. These these are expensive vehicles. And there's not going to be mass production. So this goal of 90% of all new all new vehicles uh, by 2030 have to be uh, EVs, I think, is unattainable. And Zach's right about um, the lack of charging infrastructure Yeah, is, is critical. There's been – every week the Golden Mail seems to run a story about some hapless person has taken a road trip with an EV – and how many stops along the way they have to frantically charge their car up because they're worried there's no infrastructure charging in the on the road ahead of them. So infrastructure is is one thing. The other thing, and BC Hydro announced this a couple of weeks ago, they need more power. Yeah. Uh, first power call in uh, for new power in 15 years because of the surge in demand for electricity, not just EVs, but electrifying so much of the uh, society and, and the economy because of weaning ourselves off fossil fuels. We need more electricity. That's going to be uh, largely wind and solar. And, again, that requires um, a lot of infrastructure spending as well. So this is a real challenge. And so, yeah, rebates, I think, are, are lacking the priority status that you need for other parts of infrastructure. Both levels of government have gone completely all in on EVs and these very aggressive targets to transition to 100% electric vehicle sales. Let's let's play that clip of Justin Trudeau here, the Prime Minister, and he sums it up very clearly here on what exactly these targets are and when we expect to get to 100% electric vehicle sales. Have a listen to this specific targets of 20% electric vehicles for all new sales uh, in, uh, in 2026, 60% by 2030, and 100% by 2035. And with the kind of demand and the kind of solutions being brought forward by the auto industry, uh, it, would surprise, it wouldn't surprise me for us to reach some of those targets ahead of time. This guy, he's much more optimistic than you are. He's not skeptical about this. He says we can actually get there even quicker. No, I, I very much doubt it. But again, it also raises the question, um, EVs are simply, repl- is still a car. So it's a car replacing a different type of car. So we're still part of the automobile culture. Yeah. Whereas Europe uh, is less uh, dependent on EVs, but much more invested in transit and uh, getting away from automobiles. I don't know how many times listeners have been to Europe. When I go to Europe, I don't largely don't drive a car, take transit and trains everywhere because there's yeah. mass of availability of yeah. that. That's not the case in North America. So we're replacing fossil fuel cars with another car that still has a big fossil fuel uh, footprint because of the manufacturing and mining that goes into EVs. These are not, they're the little secret of EVs. They still have a fossil fuel oh, yeah. footprint because of the mining. And mining done under very dubious working conditions in third world countries. Oh, especially Africa and the Congo. Yeah. 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 No, uh, to get these, to get cobalt, lithium, and such, yeah. these are critical minerals. And again, 
Um, North America doesn't uh, control the supply uh, chain. Let's talk about the mess at BC Ferries here. Oh, man, if you're traveling BC Ferries this weekend, oh, good luck. If you don't have a reservation, let's listen to Deborah Marshall here uh, with a warning for customers. They've got that major vessel is now out for that unexpected refit. That is causing lots of headaches at ferries this weekend. Busiest travel weekend of the year. One of them. Have a listen. It's customers who did not plan ahead and make a booking and they were going to travel as a show and go. Uh, Those customers will be faced, we believe, with multiple sailing waits at the peak times over the weekend. Yeah, I wouldn't want to be showing up without a reservation. No, no. I mean, I think revisit your travel plan. BC Ferries has to win an award for bad timing. I mean, (laughs) things seem to go wrong at the worst possible times. Although we we showed last night in the news hour. Uh, more than 80,000 sailings, I think, last year, and 0.5% were were cancelled. Okay. So very few cancellations in the overall scheme of things. But that's um, warm beer for someone who's got a, you know, waiting to get on a ferry. Uh, you can throw stats at them all the time, but you're still going to hear a lot of griping. And then we had this extraordinary announcement from BC Ferries a couple of weeks ago, but saying, by the way, we're expecting a very busy travel season this summer, but just be aware... There could be some a lot of cancellations here, and a lot of it has to do with staff shortage. Almost all of it is staff shortage. I yeah. mean, there are mechanical breakdowns, but uh, Transport Canada has rules on how many people have to, how many workers have to be on the ship, uh, and trained under. Yeah. So you know, your catering staff on a BC ferry, most people aren't aware of this, still need safety um, certifications. They've got to have. It's not, you just don't walk on a BC ferry and go to work. You've got to be qualified under Transport Canada rules. When it comes to safety, and if you're short one or two, that's enough to cancel a sailing. Yeah. So we're going to see some some cancellations over the summer. Okay, if you absolutely positively have to travel on BC ferries this weekend, you don't have a reservation, you probably consider a walk-on might be the best, like leave the vehicle at or home. Or take Harbor Air. Harbor Air. <laughs> Get that in there for our sponsor, Harbor Air. Okay, um, I spoke to Trevor Halford about this this morning, BC United MLA. He was, he was very good on it. And there are a lot of troubles facing this government right now. You've got you've got the BC Ferries situation. They've got lots of other challenges for this EB, David Eby government. Yet when you look at the opinion polls here now, tell me about this because there's this brand new p- a poll that's just come yeah, out. Yeah, Angus Reid's got a poll out today, which is quite fascinating. So the government is is given bad marks, really bad marks, by eighty percent of the people, roughly seventy seven to eighty five percent, when it comes to health care. Sure. When it comes yeah. to uh, affordability, cost of living, yep. when it comes to housing, yep. like right across the board, 80% fail. Then they're asked, okay, well, oh, that's fine. How would you vote? 47% NDP, 29% BC United. Ooh, yeah. I think 14 for the Greens. So again, uh, it's, it's not translating into support for the opposition parties. There's, people are upset and don't like what they see when it comes to government performance of these critical issues, those are the three top issues in BC, is yeah. affordability, healthcare, and housing. Government, and this has been the case for some time, government has given failing grades on this, but it's not translating into support for other political parties. It's do, quite, it's do you quite think that we talked earlier this week about these results of these by-elections where the BC United Party support seemed to collapse mm-hmm. and the rise of the BC Conservative Party getting getting some some traction? Is this confusion over the name? I mean, they they switched from BC Liberal to BC United. Is that part well, of the problem? That people just don't know what that is yet. I think it's part of the problem. But keep in mind, uh, even before the name change, the BC Liberals were still tracking very low 
in numbers with with the public. So, the, but I think it's exacerbated an already bad situation for the opposition. The other thing to keep in mind: the Greens, you know, they sort of get a pass here because of the attention on the BC United. But the Greens took a big step backward too in those by elections; completely collapsed in Vancouver, Mount Pleasant. Mm. Um, so the Greens are are stuck in neutral and going backwards, uh, and the BC United still has to make its case in front of the voters, and they haven't done that yet. Okay, last topic. Uh, assisted living. And mm-hmm. I think this is a really important file, especially with an aging population. And if we want to try and keep seniors in their homes as long as possible before they have to go into, say, long-term care, right? Assisted living is, is crucial. Well, there's, right? there's three different types of care for yeah. seniors. There's there's uh, independent living and assisted living, which are almost the same thing, but not quite. Assisted living has a few more services that are given to people. Yeah. Uh, but they're living in their own rooms, their own quarters, usually with a kitchen. But they may have some – assisted living will have a common uh, dining area, uh, and it, it doesn't cost as much as long-term care. Long-term care is 100% all in. You go in yeah. there, you're – it's everything, round the clock. Right. Uh, assisted living is is one step beyond, uh, below that. But Isabel McKenzie's report yesterday um, pointed out we've, we've put a lot more money into long-term care, but not – creating more spaces for assisted living. Assisted living. And so and also the people in assisted living because they're you know the average age is 81. And she pointed out that the cognitive decline um is is increasing in numbers with people. Um where you've got uh, dementia issues on the rise, uh, even things like wheelchair use, 20, up 24% in 5 years in assisted living. But the funding has increased, but it isn't translating into more services or more living spaces. Let's listen to what she had to say on this yesterday. So this is Isabel McKenzie, BC's seniors advocate. Let's listen. The biggest barrier to receiving home support in BC is how much we charge you for it. I think the evidence is fairly compelling that we are seeing premature admissions to long-term care in part, not totally, but in part because of the cost barrier. Yeah, that's a really good point because yeah. if more people are going to long-term care because they can't afford the assisted living, exactly. that's a problem. And, and she also pointed out that assisted living, some people are getting dinged with increases in the neighborhood, in some cases, a 15% hike mm-hmm. um, because of uh, inflation. And so it's a rising um, rent situation, but also the services that are provided on top of that are going up. And she says a lot of um, operators of this are unfairly charging people these fees, which they should be protected under the Residential Tenancy Act. And she's looking for some legislative change potentially. Let's go right to your phone calls. Sheila in Coquitlam. Hi, Sheila. Go ahead. I work in an assisted living, and we have rooms for 30 residents, and we're only at 18. And mainly because the people that are wanting to move in don't meet their criteria to move into an assisted living. They're either not, they have too much, too much dementia, or they're not able-bodied. You have to be able to walk. You can't mm-hmm. uh, use a wheelchair or anything like that. Mm-hmm. And we, there's vacancies for like almost two years. Hmm. Wow. And, interesting. Well, as well, the report said the waiting list in some places is still quite long. So that's interesting. You've got that many vacancies. Wasn't aware of that. Yeah. And she went over some of the criteria for going into assisted living. I wonder if some people apply to go into assisted living and they maybe don't well, meet the criteria. Isabel McKenzie's report also said there's a lot of confusion out there. And I have to confess, I'm as confused as anyone when it comes to the differences between independent living assisted living, and long-term care. 
And I went through a personal experience of getting someone into long-term care because assisted living wasn't an option mm-hmm. because of dementia and other issues. So what, that, we didn't even look at all uh, assisted living or independent right. living. But yeah. obviously, she says there's a big, uh, conf- massive confusion out there of people don't know the difference between the three levels of care. Yeah. Let's go to Alex on the open line. Hi, Alex. Go ahead. Yeah, good morning, guys. Uh, BC Ferries, shame on them. Um, I haven't seen any postings about um, for a job or, you know, apply for a job or whatever. Anyway, he was assistant. Uh, my grandmother was in one of these places uh, just off Beacon Hill Park in Victoria. Uh, first part of it, uh, when she was well enough, was $6,500 a month. Whoa. And, uh, and the thing that got me was the place wasn't that great. It was, a, I think, an old apartment building or an old motel or something converted. But they just gave all the soil linen, linens out in the hallways, and the place just stinks. And these poor, these poor people are paying all this money. And then, uh, I guess, the last few months for life, she needed more care, so she went to, I forget what they call the next the next level, but that's $8,000 a month. Wow. And the funny thing is, she passed away, and we went in to clean out the, 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 the place. She was basically in that room. I tried to do right, try to get her a nice room. Anyways, they had the windows screwed shut. They could only open them a quarter of an inch. Mm. Okay, Alex, thank you. Thank you for sharing that. There is a wide variety of, like, quality. That sounds like a private care. There's public subsidized ones that are nowhere near as expensive. But it does take, I think, 80% of your income, uh, no matter what your income is, if you're in long-term care. But, again, through personal experience. So Isabel McKenzie's office has a kind of what equivalent of a Rotten Tomatoes rating system when it comes to long-term care homes. And I used it myself where you you actually, people would go on and post reviews of these facilities. And we, ch- wife and I toured a bunch of them and checked out, and some of the reviews were spot on saying, no, this place is terrible. And went in and went, ooh, this is, place is terrible. It's old, it's dilapidated. But then other places are, are new and modern and top-notch. And luckily we got... That's on her website. People can check that out. It was three years ago when okay. I had to go through this process yeah. with with someone, um, and but we we lucked out and found a top notch facility. Yeah, you got to search. You really you do gotta, have to you search. Gotta there's advocate. A, there's a real uh, assortment of uh, of quality. Yes, in, in these places, some of them are terrible, and some of them are absolutely fantastic. Chris and Langley. Hi, Chris. Go ahead. Hey guys, just on the subsidies for electric vehicles and the charging infrastructure that uh, you guys seem to be really worried about. Um, and I'd like to see a show on uh, stopping oil subsidies. I think this is a good uh, uh, use of money uh, to, to transition, get people out of their uh, gas-powered cars and electric cars. But charging, uh, as far as charging infrastructure, Tesla has this thing covered. Uh, I don't know if you've recently heard or you should do a show on this, is that for GM, Volvo today, uh, ChargePoint, which is a charging network, have all decided to go to the Tesla uh, adapter charging uh, receptacle. So basically, uh, you got your uh, Android and your iPhone. They all use they use different uh, charging cords. Now everybody's going to use the same cord. It's going to be the Tesla one. Tesla's opening their supercharging network to everybody. You'd think that's counterintuitive. Their goal is to change and transition to to electric vehicles. So when you talk about going on on vacation and, and or going on traveling with these cars, right now if you're using a Ford, you would have that issue of having to wait Thank a you. long time. 
Thank you, Chris. Thank you, Chris. Go well, the one, one thing in favor of EVs and the whole push towards uh, mass production is the technology is changing, and things are going to change very rapidly. So that's the counterweight against the skepticism.